Hello. Hello. How are you? I am feeling fine, so divine, but not drinking wine. I guess that's... I don't have another rhyme. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything. I'm sorry your mental facilities are in decline. Oh, (laughs) got him. (laughs) Maybe after this call you can recline. But uh, so... (laughs) Wow, you could be a freestylist. <laughs> no, that would be very bad. Um, I, I don't, I don't think anybody would want to hear that uh, at all, including me. Um, but maybe I can cover my ears when I'm doing that. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like yes, actually, people would want to hear that, and it is just a, a thing that maybe you do not want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought we'd start off today's episode with another. Uh, one of those charts where you find your 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 birthday and your birth month sometimes or your birth year and you combine it mm-hmm. with your social get, security number and your social security number and you combine it to get a uh, an output uh this one was sent to the fam chat by my mother um and so folks tuning in will include a link to this somehow if, if we need to do like a Dropbox file or something like that we can uh, so you can play along at home uh, but this is use your birthday to generate an excuse and um, I think you'll have to get the the sensor beep ready just in case yours is is is, uh, is a bad one I don't know but mine is uh, this is this is using your birthday to generate an excuse mine is you want to know why I didn't do your stupid thing? My plug took his sweet ass time. And I would like to let you know that for the first time uh, the other day, I learned what a plug is. And that is a person who provides you drugs. So, oh. Because my drug dealer didn't hurry up, that's why I didn't do your stupid thing. I was just thinking of all kinds of other plugs. But uh, so my, <laughs> mine, mine is similarly, you want to know why I didn't do your stupid thing? I was drunk. Uh, it's a little, little simpler, probably too on the nose. Uh, so we can <laughs> change that. Getting too close up. to home. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's one of those things that you're just you're stuck with with uh, those December birthdays. Yeah. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Often when you were born in December, you don't want to do that stupid thing no. that someone has asked you to do. So no. yeah, this is this is the real horoscope. This is the real Sagittarius. You don't want to do that stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah, so there's that. And folks, you can let us know your uh, birthday excuses. No, wait, your excuses based on your birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to hear those. So yeah. thank you for playing along. Yeah, make sure you put it on the internet and make sure you uh, give this rubric alongside of it. So that way a bot can helpfully decode that about you and add it to your <laughs> anonymous shadow profile that exists on the internet. Oh boy! Mm-hmm. Just trying to find joy, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do because uh, everything, everything's. Um, it's not on an upward trajectory at the moment. Uh, it does feel like there is a finish line of sorts. Um, <laughs> what, whether what's on the other side of the finish line is awful. Uh, worse than <laughs> than this side of the finish line. I guess we'll. We'll find out. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a month where things are happening. And, and technically, it's um, 
spooky season, uh, which people like to say. But uh, I prefer to think of it as pumpkin pie season. And uh, I it is. A, I haven't had any pumpkin pie. Have you? Uh, no, actually, I have just ordered the uh, necessary ingredients to make my my pumpkin pie. Um, I get a couple of sugar pumpkins, and that way I can make another another two pumpkin pies later, as inevitably as a desire of mine. Because uh, it usually just takes one sugar pumpkin, you cut it in half, you lay it down on some parchment paper, and you stick it in the oven for... Uh, well, you put down some olive oil, stick it in, lay it down onto the, the parchment paper with olive oil, stick it in the oven for about an hour and a half, I believe, uh, to roast it. And then you scoop the deliciously roasted guts out. Of course, you have already cleaned out the seeds and stuff. I failed to mention that. Please do that first. Um, and then I take it and I put it in my food processor and make a nice pumpkin puree. And then I add all of the spices, all of the delicious, yummy spices, and the other necessary ingredients like egg. Uh, and I can't remember what else at the moment because uh, I don't have the recipe in my evaporated heart. Evaporated milk? I don't, or condensed milk? Or? I don't think I put that in mind because I don't oh. like a super sweet pumpkin pie. Mm. Um, so I think mine has just some some brown sugar uh, as as the addition of sugar to it uh and then of course it goes into your your pie crusts and you bake it and you love it and of course homemade whipped cream to go along with it in fact this year i think i might add a little bit of uh nutmeg to the whipped cream as i'm making it to really pack that punch Mm. Yeah, well, I was I was a little surprised that you were using olive oil and roasting your own pumpkins. Uh, do you, you prefer olive oil to a neutral oil? You don't think it makes it a little savory that that doesn't come through? Uh, so I, if it was healthy and wise, I would just drink olive oil. I really, <laughs> really, really like olive oil. I love the taste of olives, um, especially in this particular. Uh, what what format and so i don't feel like it adds too much to the the roast if if it does it's just a very tiny little bit and to me that helps cut the sweetness even more um i just don't i don't like an overly sweet pumpkin pie because i think that that tends to take away from the spice profile and that's what it is like that's what it's all about for me um and usually the whipped cream can serve as the uh the the sweetened portion of the the dish and if you do you know ice cream with it as well so then the pie just gets to be this delicious conveyance of fall flavors and the additional choices that you make be it ice cream or whipped cream those are the conveyance of sweetness uh, mostly, like I said, it's it's still a little sweet, but it's just not overly sweet. Yeah, I mean, I don't generally like things that are overly sweet anyway. But uh, I, I, I do do want some sugar in there, and I just don't have it in me to roast pumpkins. Um, I, oh. I I'm I am a canned pumpkin puree person. Oh no, it's so easy though. You don't have to do anything. You just wait. But it involves waiting. So I consider <laughs> so there's that the doing problem. something. Yeah. Got it. Got uh, it. But you know, I also like the. I mean, it's the same reason I use like canned tomatoes instead of like buying tomatoes at a grocery store to like make tomato sauces because you get a consistent 
predictable result, I guess, um, with, with, with the, the produce in that format, um, because it's just been, uh, <laughs> commoditized, uh, and, and processed. And you know, and it'll taste like a can. It doesn't no matter taste like what. A, it doesn't taste like a can. <laughs> it doesn't taste like a can. But, um, the, uh, uh, I, I, I'm curious about your crust, because I know that you would avoid, uh, the, the glutes. So, uh, yeah, I, what do you, I do indeed. What do you, what do you, what do you put in instead of the glutes? When I go to my massage therapist, I say, avoid the glutes. Um, no, I use, and this is a completely prepackaged uh, deal, although it's not, I'm not, a, I'm not a believer in store-bought frozen pie crusts. I think that that is, is uh, kind of a sad, sad thing sometimes. Um, I'm being very careful about what I'm saying here, just in case you do use frozen pie crusts. Uh, but Bob's Red Mill makes an excellent pie crust mix that is gluten-free. It's just Bob's Red Mill gluten-free pie crust mix. And basically, you I've already got the food processor out. And in fact, the food processor starts with the, the pie crusts before it goes to be used for the puree. Um, you take a whole thing of Bob's Red Mill uh, gluten-free pie crust mix, drop it into the um, food processor, and then you take, I think it's like a stick of butter chopped into little cubes and then uh, a fourth of a cup of shortening or something like that. I can't remember. It's on the package. Uh, you throw that into the, the food processor with it and bzz, 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 about 12 times. And then you put in uh, a couple of tablespoons of ice water and you mix it up and then you... Uh, you know, plop it out onto your surface and uh, take it into, shape it into two different discs, and then you refrigerate it for, I think it's like 30 minutes or so, and then you pull it out, and you've got two pie crust discs ready to go. Roll those bad boys out, lay them into your uh, pie dishes, pie plates, pie pans, whatever you call them, and stick them in the oven and cook them. And I friggin love this crust i think that it is a delicious delicious crust um i'm not missing out by not having uh traditional gluten pastry at all uh and in fact in years past when i've made pies or other recipes my lemon bars for example that call for a pie crust base um Nobody ever knows that it's gluten-free pie crust, and they're always surprised afterward uh, when I tell them. So it's, uh, yeah, it, you can't, I, I cannot tell the difference, and people who eat uh, normal, or I should say typical pastry uh, on the daily also cannot tell the difference. So yeah, um, I think it's great. Well, I mean, it's, it, that's kind of the perfect application for it, because you want, you know, a short crust. You don't want, like... You're not trying to make air bubbles. You're not. Yeah, you don't want like yeah. a chewy, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a bubbly crust or anything like that. You want that nice. It, exactly, it is the perfect application for it. Um, and I think that Bob's Red Mill has been successful in in making that happen. Yeah, because also I think they probably use like seven different kinds of flour, and you don't want to buy all those. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I can't go as far as making my own there because it would take forever to mm -hmm. uh, combine all the things. And and uh, try I'm trying to find it now just so I can read. There she is. Hello. Um, 
It's got rice flour, potato starch, tapioca flour, sugar, rice bran, salt, and of course, the gluten-free favorite item, xanthan gum. Mm, Love some xanthan gum. (laughs) It's it's it's, It's amazing, really. Any ingredients list, I mean, gluten-free or not, it, it, it probably has anthem gum in it. Uh, yep. You just, you just can expect it to be there um, because it gives you that, that wonderful thickening power that, uh, that xanthan gum provides that every manufacturer seems to love, especially salad dressings. Yeah. Um, I recently, so for my partner's birthday, um, I he said, or asked him, you know, what do you want for dinner on that day and what dessert do you want and he said xanthan gum (laughs) yes and i made him a xanthan gum dish no um he said well usually on birthdays past i've ordered chinese food uh like takeout chinese and i know you can't have takeout chinese um so it would be cool to have takeout chinese but at home and i thought oh yes this will be fun um and then peanut butter pie was his uh dessert of choice i tend toward the fruit side of the pie spectrum um and it was the and and it required it called for a lot of uh powdered sugar it was kind of like peanut butter fudge with a chocolate ganache on served on a pie crust essentially mm. um so incredibly sweet and he's got quite the sweet tooth so he was very happy with it uh but it was not not my cup of tea but that's okay because it was not my birthday um and it turned out quite well but for the uh chinese food i did a um homemade orange chicken and a vegetable fried rice and uh homemade egg rolls it was the first time i ever made egg rolls um of course the egg roll wrapper is rice uh as a rice paper and so that was already gluten-free so essentially it was just the batter that had to be made gluten-free um and instead of using uh standard what's that oil what's that sauce called soy sauce instead of using standard soy sauce you use tamari um, which is basically just soy sauce without any wheat in it. Um, and yeah, it, some of it required some xanthan gum. I think it was for the, um, what was that for now that I'm trying to remember? I think it was for the batter. Yeah, it was for the batter for the egg rolls. Um, and it, you know, it worked as it was supposed to. The egg rolls were very good. They were a pork filling uh, with Napa cabbage and some uh, traditional uh, Chinese spices to go along with that. And then the orange chicken. Oh, my God. You know, I've always hated orange chicken because it's this faux sort of, again, overly sugary kind of it just feels like you hit a button on a machine that says orange chicken and it just squops out <laughs> this product. And so I've never liked orange chicken because it just tasted so fake and gross and um, processed. And so I just looked up a recipe for making your own orange chicken. You marinate the chicken overnight in orange zest and orange juice and lemon juice and some soy sauce or tamarind sauce and some other things. 
marinate that overnight in the refrigerator. Um, and then the next day you coat it in a rice flour mixture and uh, fry it up on the stove. And I can't remember what else. Oh, then you make your sauce, which is, of course, an orange-based sauce with some cornstarch to thicken it up. Uh, so I got to have a little bit of fun with a non-Newtonian fluid going into it, which was uh, enjoyable. And lots of garlic, of course. Um, green onion and, or scallions, however you want to put that. Uh, and so I can't remember what else. But basically, it resulted in this just incredibly citrusy realistic delicious orange flavor that was awesome and you know put that on top of the vegetable fried rice that i made um and i was i was in heaven and so was he so we were we were happy with that i definitely saved that recipe for later because if i'm having orange chicken that's the orange chicken i want to have for sure it was really good yeah uh also i find um no one should really set their expectations for orange chicken to the bare minimum viable orange chicken, which is like Panda Express. Because um, it's so gloopy. Because uh, it's been sitting in that like heating area for a while. And it just, the coating has no longer crisp. It's soaked up all of the, the sugary sauce. Um, so it, it's, it's just sort of this wet, blobby thing at that point and uh, i don't i don't really love that and i don't love how i feel after i eat that but uh anytime you can go to a place that uh has a more artisanal construction of it it's good there was a place near um where jason used to live that uh had orange chicken but they also had and this is a, a, a restaurant run by a, a taiwanese uh american um uh, chef and so uh-huh. he had this orange chicken on the menu but he also had general uh so's cha- uh, cauliflower and we we're just like what, what are you what are you doing because he's like putting modern spins on things and uh it that's was good. delicious it was so oh, good that sounds really good yeah because you make the you make the really crispy cauliflower um, yes and then you put that in the uh sort of sweet and spicy sauce um because uh oh, gen- general really general so's chicken uh is not real like a real real thing there's a whole documentary you can watch about it um uh, what's it called oh i think it's called in search of general so um but uh it is it, it basically there was a guy who made a thing and then that was changed over time into this other thing and then that other thing <laughs> was what everybody was familiar with but it has no connection to any real well, chinese food of course now i don't have to watch the documentary you've explained it perfectly <laughs> well i mean but i mean I, it's one of those things you, you just gotta expect is like it, it's not real like all, all of the chinese restaurant takeout stuff is not real um but it, it is it is it's a, a very unreal dish that is general so's mm-hmm. i do like though i will say or used i used to whenever we would have chinese food growing up i would always get general so's so i and and i love a good um uh i can't think of what they're called that buffalo wing style um cauliflower so i can't imagine i bet it's i bet that was really good it's really good i I would recommend i mean especially if you're going through all the trouble to like deep fry and do all that other stuff uh go for it there's one time uh well not one time i think three times maybe uh we (laughs) we we ordered both the orange chicken and the general so's cauliflower and i was just like does this seem a little much like should we vary this up a little i know the cauliflower is technically a vegetable but 
maybe <laughs> somewhere in there it's a vegetable yeah, yeah maybe, maybe this is imperfect um but there's also um uh, uh, a restaurant um pizzeria moza where you one of the appetizers that they always have on the menu is um uh fried cauliflower um frito misto frito misto style which is kind of like uh sort sort of vaguely um this this crispy thin coating that uh is reminiscent of um uh why is the name not coming to my mind right now the japanese t- oh tempura um i don't oh i don't know yeah. why that was vacating my brain but uh but it's sort of like that, but then you can dip it in this aioli uh, that it comes with, this uh, spicy, creamy aioli. Um, so you have this really thin, crisp coating around the cauliflower, and then you put it in that aioli, um, which I highly recommend, too. Uh, so basically, if you have cauliflower flor- florets, um, cover them in batter, uh, like crispy batter, and then deep fry them, um, you can put them in another sauce, and they taste great. Uh, under any circumstance I can think of at the moment, and uh, I, I just don't want to do it at home. Um, but you, you do it, and you, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I will do that. And you'll probably want to set the timer or something using some sort of virtual assistant that you have on hand, maybe something that you have on a new piece of electronics that you have in your life. Uh, Is there any chance that maybe you have something you've been using a lot recently that you're really excited about? Wait, (laughs) are we talking about the new iPhone? (laughs) Yes. Okay, good. I didn't know because here's the thing. Um, I can't remember if I had told you, but I'm going to be doing a uh, comparison of the HomePod Mini, the new Amazon Echo, and the uh, Google um, Google's Nest Audio. And so I also have a Nest Audio and an Echo right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I thought that you might have been talking about that. But uh, yes, the iPhone 12 Pro. Ba-ba-da-da. And Pacific Blue. In Pacific Blue, um, I have the new iPhone 12 Pro in Pacific Blue uh, with its stainless steel band. It's 5G uh, by Verizon, but mine's not by Verizon. It's by Mint Mobile, which is actually T-Mobile and Sprint. Welcome to the ASMR episode of Unhelpful Suggestions. Um, and then also the, of course, three-camera array. Um, here's the thing, Joe. I have this problem with this device where when someone asks me about it, I have to scramble to try to remember what's new mm-hmm. and why I'm excited about having the latest or why I'm, you know, if I'm not excited, why I'm not excited. Um, and the fact is, although it has a new look, which I think is cool, the, you know, the flat, sides that match the iPad Pro um, and the iPhone of years past, the iPhone 5, I just don't really have a lot of that excitement that I've had in the past with phones. Um, I I think part of it is that I haven't... (laughs) I know that I'm going to be uh, returning this one and getting the Max. Um, as my actual phone, it was just to get this one early on so that we could, because we're not in on the uh, preceding of the iPhones, uh, so needed to get one for day one. And I think that that plays a role. But I mean, I've got, I, I popped my Mint SIM in it, um, and 
got, you know, the 5G connectivity. And so I've been able to take it around with me. Uh, but I'm just not all that, I don't know, blown away by it. Not that I ever expected to be, I guess. I went into it not expecting that I would be blown away by it. And I guess that it just proved the accuracy of my prediction that I wouldn't be. Um, I will say that I did take some low light photography uh, that was pretty cool, but it wasn't so, you know, blow away awesome that I, you know, just couldn't believe that it was <laughs> that it that it was able to take the photos or anything like that. Um, it had I, I took a photo of a of a sunflower in I don't think it was like nine forty five at night uh, with just one light in the distance and the highway was behind it. So there's like light trails where the cars were going because of uh, the. Uh, elongated exposure. What's that called? Just long exposure, not elongated exposure. <laughs> and that was cool. And then there's also the fact that it does Dolby uh, HDR 10, blah, 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 video. Um, Dolby Vision, that's a term. And so I took some Dolby Vision video with a uh, photo, I mean, with some with a scene that I knew would be high dynamic range because uh, it was there was sunlight pouring in from one side and it was kind of dark on the other side. And I did one of those uh, f- videos where you put ink, not ink, but uh, food coloring into a glass of water and you kind of look at the colors going in. Um, and I imported that into Final Cut Pro. It's kind of interesting. You have to create a whole new library in Final Cut Pro that is for HDR video. Um, and so I did that and was able to import it. And there are some new settings for kind of nits of brightness that you can adjust. And, uh, if you try to import it in a standard library, most of the video will be clipped on the highlights. And is it called clipping on the shadows? Uh, well, clip, uh, it's, it's clipped either way basically like it but it, it just depends on where they set the the lowest point and where they set the highest point and then everything that's too high um is is going to be clipped and everything that's too low is going to be also clipped out gotcha so yeah then it was clipped on on the low end as well yeah um and that i thought that was kind of interesting just to see the difference between doing it on um as a an HDR project versus non, uh, and I was doing this on the 16 inch MacBook Pro screen, so that it you know I was using a, a HDR display or whatever. Um, but I mean, outside of that, it just really feels to me like Apple is really pushing this 5G thing as the 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 seller of this device, and. I think that's, I feel that's a little irresponsible and a little bit, um, what's the word I want? Um, misleading, I guess, because for, for multiple reasons. One, a lot of us are having to spend a lot more time at home, so we're connected to Wi-Fi, which is faster anyway. Um, and two, as we've talked about the difference between millimeter wave and the 5G that's, you know, in more places... And the battery drain that it causes and the fact that it's like the whole 
point of it, the whole marketing push of it is you can be anywhere in the world and you can still upload large files or get uh, some wild gaming experience or this or that or the other. And so it's almost like encouraging uh, movement about the country and the world at a time when, you know, it's not necessarily a good idea to be doing that. And I don't know how, well, I do know how I feel about that. I don't think that it's appropriate, I guess. And I, if we cast aside 5G, then what we've got is a bump to the cameras, a bump to the chip, a bump to the uh, screen size. And so it's just incremental, I guess. And that is nothing to be wowed by. The problem is, I don't know what would have wowed me. I can't, I can't really speak to what would have wowed me. Um, other than I do really like that sound that the MagSafe <laughs> makes as it connects to the back of the phone. That There is something delightful about that. But again, if that's all that it is, why buy a brand new phone that's not cheap just to hear this? And to get a new animation. That's, mm. I don't know. This is, a, this is a new animation? Like it, it does a thing with the status bar when the power is connected it makes this uh in the middle of your screen it actually pops you know how the phone used to work where it would take over your whole screen um and you would see the call and there's the green circle on the left yeah yeah. Yeah. so it's like a full screen thing it pops up uh, a circle when you connect a magsafe compatible accessory like a case but when you charge it pops up a circle that then turns green and it's basically like when you put the Apple Watch on the charger. It looks a lot like that. Hmm. Um, and so it kind of notifies you, hey, you're connected uh, via MagSafe. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, you did it. Um, we always believed in you. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's kind of, um, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not, I don't want to make it seem like I'm taking joy in your ambivalence, but it is nice to sort of have a confirmation that my feelings, my reluctance to run out and um, do the upgrade um, that that, that, I, that was fine. <laughs> that that uh, uh, I'm going to survive and I'll be able to live my life um, with minimal um, interference for the next year. Uh, so like I said, I'm not like happy you don't like it, but I, I it just s- sort of, is nice to have that sort of confirmation that the things that I kind of thought that I would be looking for weren't there that, uh, that I'm kind of okay coasting on this previous generation, but, uh, uh please, yeah. no, please take, take joy. All of you out there, take joy in my ambivalence because I think that that's important. Honestly, I think that, uh, there is that pressure to sort of, have the new new and be on board with it and all that kind of stuff. And I think that um, for me, if I didn't work at Twit and therefore didn't have this product purchased for me, there would have been a part of me that still would want to get it, even if I was sort of spending the money myself. And like, there's a pandemic and there are a lot of people who um, you you can't discount the it's the the bleached hair effect it's the it's the <laughs> uh shaving I need, I need more explanation of the bleached hair effect yes I, and let me explain so 
when you so, so you know it starts with this you have to understand and i know you understand i'm basically talking to everyone you have to understand that living in a pandemic as a human being you are experiencing trauma um it is for some people a low level trauma it, for some people is a high level trauma but it is trauma nonetheless and when we experience trauma uh especially related to a loss of control we look for ways to alleviate that trauma by taking control of things that we have control over. And that's why I call it the bleached hair effect, because there are a not insignificant number of people, my partner included at one point, he's no longer this way, but who bleached their hair uh, because it was something they could do and something they had control over and something that they felt would help them feel a regained sense of control. And, you know, when you ask when you ask somebody that, it's not the first thing that's going to come to mind. It's, oh, I wanted to try something else. Oh, you know, I wanted to do this or do that. But there is a, a psychological drive to regain control. And we, for the most part, have autonomy. And so we can make changes to ourselves and feel like we have control in a place where everything else around us is kind of out of control. And so when we look at that, we also have to think about other ways that we alleviate trauma. And getting something new, finding, you know, trying something different, all these things that distract us, if we can't regain control, we can at least distract ourselves from the trauma that we are experiencing, avoidance. And one of those methods is through the purchase of new things that will, for a temporary time, give us a dopamine hit. And so I don't think that we can discount the draw and the drive of uh, wanting that dopamine hit of something new to distract us, something new to bring joy into our lives. And then also the trauma and the, the, uh, the, the effect on our emotions that we feel when it comes to the fear of missing out. FOMO, although we kind of have turned it into a bit of a meme, is also based in psychology and is uh, something that we um, try to to avoid or try to overcome. And so you mix this low-level trauma that we're all experiencing with FOMO and with our desire to, uh, with, with what is it, social pressure, uh, peer pressure, all these things come together to drive you to make what may be a poor choice of buying the latest device so that you can be, you know, one of the crew, not feel so isolated, and then also... Uh, have a distraction and also uh, feel like you have control over a situation. And that is not insignificant. That is, in fact, significant. And I think that that is where it is irresponsible for me as a person who has the means to get this device and can do it without um, an impact on my own finances. I have to be honest and I and I will say this: I would be honest if this device had blown me out of the water. I would uh, tell you that, and I would, be, you know, say, "Wow, actually, I am really happy about this thing because I'm kind of I tend more toward that that way anyway. I do love new tech and do get excited about it. But when it comes to this, for the cost of this device, it just is not something that I think people need to rush out and get just because." Uh, especially because, as you pointed out, there's a finish line coming up, and we don't know what's on the other side of that finish line. So 
it's just messy right now. And I think that it would be irresponsible for me to try and find all the things that have me, you know, blown away by this when the most blow away thing doesn't blow me away, but instead just makes me go, oh, this is fun. Click, 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 click with MagSafe. Yeah, I that's a, a very sobering assessment. And uh, I, of course, uh, agree with you. Um, so, some of us buy certain things more than others uh, or larger purchases, I guess, uh, to try to control things um, in their lives. Uh, he, he says from his new home office but uh yeah uh, 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 it, it is like you said important to have that perspective on it and fortunately um it's good to have a, an impartial um reviewer of these things uh since of course you have no direct financial benefit to loving it or hating it um yeah so we've got no skin in the game either mm -hmm. i mean we already don't have a relationship with with apple so these are products that we are actually purchasing too so I, that i i appreciate you noticing that and i just want to kind of call to that again and say you know that is a very real thing um in fact the ipad air um is supposed to be arriving today uh and I will be trying that out as well. And that was also a product that, you know, we purchased. Um, so we'll see about that. And if that, that wows me anymore, I honestly think I will be more excited about that. Um, part of that is because I'm susceptible to uh, anything that's green and this is green. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, that does play a role. That, that, and that one's more of a minty green, right? Yeah, it mm -hmm. is. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how it works because it works with the accessories of the iPad Pro. It will work with my iPad Pro keyboard. Um, it works with the Apple Pencil and it's got the chip that the iPhone 12s have. So it should be fun to see how this product uh, works and if I have reason to get more excited about it um, than the iPhone. But Again, you know, I'm doing this all with as many grains of salt as possible. And I think that's also why these less expensive products like the HomePod Mini and Amazon's latest Echo and the Nest Audio and uh, some of the other stuff has been more interesting to me uh, because it doesn't feel as out of reach and sort of aspirational and is trying to do cool things, but at a price point that's more reasonable um, in in this time and frankly, at any time. So yeah, looking forward to doing that review for sure. Yeah, I think that is also true for um, the 12 mini, which hasn't shipped yet is like that is interesting in a different kind of way, not specifically to me, but at that price point for people who are interested in um, that sort of thing it makes it sort of pushes down um what had previously been a pro thing into a smaller package um and uh you know uh, gets some access to that for people shopping for a new phone um but uh you know it it, it is all sort of relative to your circum your own personal circumstances and uh uh what you're going through in your life and and, and what you need uh if you just had dropped your phone on the ground and it broke um, you know, obviously you wouldn't be buying like last year's phone, um, for no particularly good reason, but, uh, right. you, you would, you would be very excited about buying the new phone. Um, but, uh, it is, 
you know, uh, it, it's good to think about it. Also, I had completely forgotten about the trend in people bleaching their hair. Uh, I, I, we had, you know, as a society, I think we're in the, uh, trend of people buying that pink Nike, uh, sweater. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I just had completely forgotten about the bleach hair moment. Uh, but, uh, you know, no judgment if you're sitting there listening to this no. podcast in your pink sweater with bleached hair, but <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I hope that I made that clear, um, in, in the observation of those uh, desires to gain control. Like that is, that's just a human thing and there's nothing wrong with that. And more power to you if you could pull off the bleached hair. I think that's impressive. Uh, so yeah, that's no judgment about bleaching your hair. Uh, I just, I think that the context is kind of helpful as well. If, mm. um, if you can kind of um, look at that from more than one perspective. Yeah. And uh, since you said no judgment and since you said pull that off, I got to ask, did Sebastian pull it off? Was there judgment? (laughs) Uh, So he when he first bleached it, basically, he said, I want to get gray hair. Um, And I said, "Okay, cool. And he said, "Will you help me bleach it. And I said, "Okay, cool. And I, you know, he bought his little bleach kit and I helped him put it on and my nostrils nearly caught fire uh but it just it's it was a very strong strong smell and i thought oh man i wouldn't want this anywhere near my scalp um the home bleach kit just did not cut the mustard uh, so he went in to a professional and she bleached it and toned it so that it turned white and then he was able to do silver and he did silver for a while but he was doing it with that um there's a company that makes like shampoo and conditioner that has uh, pigment in it. And so it just kind of, it's called Overtone, Overtone. I just thought of it. And so it, you may have seen Instagram ads for it. So it adds some color to your hair, but it's not quite as strong and powerful as, you know, going and getting that part done. So he rocked the gray hair for a while, but then of course his dark brown hair started growing in. Um, so he went back to brown. So yes, while it was, when when we first bleached it, no, because it was very brassy and uh, sort of a straw yellow. Um, but going in and getting it toned and everything like that, when it was just like a, uh, what's her name? Khaleesi, uh, white hair. I thought that looked really great. <laughs> um, and then when he kind of grayed it up, I thought that looked really great too. Uh, and now it's brown again with some sort of blonde highlights in it some very subtle highlights and I think that looks good too. So yeah, I think he rocked it. Um, honestly, I, it seems like it's a mentality. If you've bleached your hair in the pandemic and you just are unashamedly unabashedly doing so, there's almost an energy that you feel and you're just like, heck yeah, you did. And it's just, it's just, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, cause it's not like you're going into the office tomorrow and everyone's going to judge you. So, you know, Right. Rock, rock Just out on with your Zoom call. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. Do do that. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey qu- oh, yes. Did did we talk about Quibi ever? I can't remember. Oh, um, I don't think we've ever talked about Quibi on this show uh, at all under any circumstances. Um, but uh, it died. Uh, and uh, I can't imagine why I would have any feelings about it dying. Uh, since we never talked about it, um, I don't even know why you would bring it up. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, there is uh, there was a service. Uh, it, it is a service, I guess, until December 1st. Uh, that was in the uh, service baking oven for uh, s- several years, uh, like two years before launch, two and a half. Um, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, who had uh, just finished selling off DreamWorks to uh, Comcast Universal, um, uh, because uh, they d- they didn't want him uh, as part of, part part of the DreamWorks acquisition, and DreamWorks was being run so poorly because he was distracted and doing other things, and had left his lieutenants to do it, and they did a terrible job. But uh, he um, w- was undeterred from having his uh, influence over the the media landscape, and uh, he had decided that short form video content that was well produced uh, ha- had a uh, market for it. Uh, and he was wrong, um, and everyone said he was wrong, and uh, he pushed and persuaded and poked and prodded his way to getting Meg Whitman on as a co-CEO, which was also a disastrous move, um, but uh, <laughs> he, he did it, and then he got studio content because they're like, hey, uh, you, you give us some stuff to put on here, and we'll give you money to make the stuff, and they're like, okay, but we keep the stuff, right? And they said, yeah, and so there's you know, things like Reno 911 and whatever from Viacom properties. And uh, you quickly got the sense that a lot of the A-game stuff was not going there anyways. And a lot of the things that Quibi would have would rely on weird gimmicks, especially when they uh, finally got around to announcing the service where part of it was called Turnstile, where it depended on which orientation you held your phone in. And they insisted that it would be entirely phone-based because Jeffrey Katzenberg was insistent that uh, the the key to reaching people was that they have it on the phones only and that uh, no one would want to watch this on their TVs. Um, they, they launched in April during the pandemic, um, which was inadvisable, but they had to because that was their plan. Uh, and they didn't have support for TVs. Uh, and they uh, didn't have that until a week, a week and a half ago, um, the day before that they announced that they were shutting down. Uh, and the, uh, the the problem with that is that uh, no one could share or identify or direct people to content that was on the platform that was of any value at all. Um, there were only a few things that people really liked, like you liked uh, Chrissy Teigen's uh, uh, court show thing um and I, I otherwise it was a lot of stuff that existed that no one ha- could see or have access to or understand was there and uh, artists uh who had or creators who had content on quibi uh, had a hard time promoting that content you would see them on twitter struggling uh just being like here you just sign up for the trial and download the thing and then you can watch the thing for this number of days come on guys and and that was awkward for all of April, uh, May, and June. But then uh, everything got real quiet because uh, they started running out of money. There were some re- renewals announced of shows, but uh, it became clear that they were not getting more investment because they didn't have the viewers that they were supposed to have. There was a terrific Vulture article that was done at the time where uh, a reporter had done some very thorough research on the things and uh they had no real plan for offering the service that was just ad supported only with money and ads and and only with 
ad, no no ads and money um so they didn't they didn't really have like a viable path forwards uh no one could understand why anyone would want to do this other than just pausing a video or, or watching a youtube video and they could not communicate that to anyone they did things like super bowl ad buys and all kinds of other nonsense um like they're uh what what's quibi it stands for quick bites and they tried to make i'll do it in a quibi happen and and it didn't happen uh and so uh everyone danced <laughs> on their grave um the other week and uh some journalists uh you know, tut-tutted and said, no, this was a bold move. Um, and, you know, just, just I guess, so they can get uh, the the, um, the contradictory reactionary clicks for that. But it, mm-hmm. it was it was it was very clearly always going to fail. And I don't cheer on anyone losing their jobs. But if you worked at Quibi and thought that you would be working at Quibi 10 years from now, you were wrong, uh, and you you would know. The people who were there knew. Like all of the creators who have shows there have said you, that that you know they're sorry that Quibi went away, but they're glad that they had the opportunity from Quibi. I think it was uh, Matt Rogers, who is a comedian, the Lost Lost Culturistas podcast with him and Bo and Yang. Um, but uh, Matt had a show called Game Show with uh, another uh, comedian, and uh, it was a, a gay themed. Um, game show show and uh, so they had that and they had pitched it to Netflix and Netflix didn't get it and they pitched it to Quibi Quibi got it and they greenlit it so now he says well we own the show and now I have the most expensive sizzle reel ever uh, to go shop it around so there are benefits to this and uh, I think Ira Madison um, had uh, written for Nicole Richie's show and um he said, you know, I cash that check. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, and I, I think that's the, the important thing. It's like, it, it was money that went to people to make things, but uh, it is, it was not money well spent in terms of what they were doing. There was no, there was no way what Jeffrey Katzenberg set out to do was going to work regardless of COVID-19 or not. He had completely misjudged this market and had refused to listen to people for years about it, but whatever, uh, it's dead. Do you have I any complicated some... feelings because of Chrissy Teigen's show not being there? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, it's no. I, in fact, I think that you've summed it up perfectly. And yeah, I, I don't. I don't really. I obviously, like you said, I care for folks who lost their job. That sucks. But I don't care that the service is gone because I just. They just did a lot of wrong things. Wrong. Wrongly. Yeah, I mean, this is the same thing I say whenever any other thing shuts down. Like, it's a bummer. I don't want, you know, people losing their jobs under circumstances like that. But uh, it, it just wasn't a viable business. So it didn't, doesn't make sense to wish for it to keep going. Um, but uh, hopefully those people are freed up to go do other stuff. And hopefully, like in the case of like Matt Rogers pointing that out, like, because they had this one thing, maybe they can parlay it into something else on a more uh, a viable platform. Um, but it's expensive to make this content. And if you can't get it in front of people and get them to pay for it, then you're in trouble. And uh, that it's regardless of COVID or not. Um, but, you know, the it's a this same thing for all these other media companies. Some can absorb the expenses more than others. Um, like we talked about, uh, Apple has extended their their free trial by three months. Um, so that's eighteen months of free content for somebody who purchased an iPhone last year, uh, or 
you know, whatever. Um, wait, no, not 18, 15. Um, sorry. But like there's, uh, you still have to remember to cancel, but now you're going to be playing a guessing game of when that cancellation date is. <laughs> Do I cancel now or is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it is, it's just one of those things where it's just like a, the, the Quibi had no other capital stream that they could tap into for that to ride this out. Um, but, you know, Apple can do that and afford to keep doing it. Uh, and companies like Netflix have been run at a loss for years and all they do is make Netflix, but they uh, have been able to convince investors um, in a way that Quibi couldn't because they were pulling in an audience that Quibi can't. Um, so that that's, you know, something. And Netflix just had a price hike up to $14 for their base plan. Uh, and like it's, it wasn't so long ago that they were at $7 uh, for the base plan. So it's, and it's still being run at a loss. So it's just, it's, it's always going to go up. These things cost money. Um, people who don't think they cost money are deceiving themselves. And if you can't get that stuff in front of people to get them to pay for it, then you're in trouble and you need to have the capital to be able to absorb, uh, trying to get that out there. There you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And on, on that note of, you know, having control over your life. Um, I I don't know if Jeffrey Katzenberg is going to um, paint anything or buy anything or bleach uh, a shirt, <laughs> I guess. I was wondering what you were trying to go for there, and I got yeah. it there at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll be fine because he's got mm -hmm. lots of money. And oh, yeah. <laughs> as long as he stays off Twitter... Uh, and doesn't listen to the people he would probably refer to as the haters. Um, mm -hmm. I think he'll be okay. I, th I thought there was actually a pretty funny tw tweet uh, when Quibi announced that we were shutting down. I can't remember who who sent it out, but they were just like, "Oh man, Quibi's shutting down. That means uh, Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg are poor now. <laughs> they lost all their money." <laughs> it's like, no, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah, they'll be they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, on that note of uh, them being fine and the finish line coming up and uh, uh, buy, buying cellular devices to make us feel better about ourselves, um, mm -hmm. we, we uh, should probably wrap up this show for this week. And uh, thank, thank you for talking to me about Pi, because um, that's that always was... fun. A that is always a delightful conversation uh, that I enjoy. And uh, folks out there listening, I don't... Well, when is this episode going to publish? Um, uh, I would say this weekend. And that oh. is that is a term. Um, that means anytime in the next three days. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe so four. then please go vote. Uh, vote in person if you can, um, or by dropping off your Dropbox. Um, Mail-in voting is still okay to do, but uh it is better if you can do that in person so please go vote yes and if you are in uh certain states it's uh that have uh complicated mail-in stuff going on right now with courts mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. it be especially sure that you uh find out if there are local polling places that you can go to or if um they're they're open early uh i would highly recommend voting early and as early as you possibly can if you're listening to the sound of this podcast right now and hearing these words um and you haven't voted i don't i don't know what you're doing um but you you should do that uh go and do it uh and and you know leaving it up to the last minute 
is kind of risky with the current climate that we have, and uh, some mail-in ballots are not accepted after certain days now uh, where (laughs) they had previously been accepted. So don't count on anything past the third, please, um, because you don't know. To our international audience, you're fine. You're awesome. And uh, yeah, don't don't think that we are talking to you here. Although you should vote too in your your election. Yeah, I mean, what's so great about your country? <laughs> Please don't email us with what all what all the things are that are great about your country. Instead, email us with your birthday generated excuse. Yes, and social I'd security like to number um, and I'll, SSN. Well, you, unless you're an international uh, audience. Member. Oh right, darn it! Then that yeah. doesn't work either. Um, no. Email us your passport <laughs> qr code is that how those work i don't know they got chips in them now um so uh like chips is that fries or is that uh deep fried potato uh, mm, tortilla <sighs> tortilla yeah now that's a good chip 